Hello and welcome to the Hoopla Improv podcast, the podcast all about the who, what and where of improv. My name's Leo Maxwell and each week I'll be interviewing great improvisers to pick their brains for top tips, favourite exercises and even the odd bit of juicy improv goss along the way. Today's guest is Nick Oram. Nick is a member of the award-winning improv group Do Not Adjust Your Stage, who are, for my money, one of the best improv groups I have ever seen. Not only is Nick an improviser, he's also a playwright. He won the BAFTA Rowcliffe Comedy Writing Competition in 2017 with his script Last One Left, and he's also appeared in BBC Three's Murder in Successville. In this episode, Nick gives his top tips on how to amp up the emotions of your scene, the importance of building trust in an improv team, and the best ways for any improviser to improve their character work. And we also get to touch on Nick's eternal lust for glory. Enjoy. Nick Oram, welcome to the Hoopla Impro podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to, it's great to be here. Um, how did the DNA's live show go? Oh yeah, they've been going great. So we've done, our, we've done two now. We're doing our third one uh, tonight. So they're really, they're really good fun. We're just trying to be as silly and um, funny as possible, as sort of like an antidote ourselves to what's going on. Trying to distract ourselves and maybe other people as well to all the, the difficult stuff that's happening at the moment. And so yeah, we're like, right, let's be really funny, let's be really silly, let's mess around, and it's really enjoyable to be that, essentially, be the entire focus of what we're doing. Um, and are you enjoying it as much as hopefully the audience is? Are you guys getting enough kind of silliness and fun out of it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm finding it. I'm finding it really enjoyable. It's the thing that I'm really excited about. You know, I'm waking up and like, oh, I'm really excited about doing that later. Um, Excellent. Um, what I would like from you, if possible, if someone was to come up to you in the street and say, hey, you're Nick Oram from award-winning improv group Do Not Adjust Your Stage... Um, what are your ultimate tips for someone who's just coming up to you and saying, I don't know anything about improv? Sure. Commitment. That's huge, isn't it? I think you've got to commit. And that means committing to other people's ideas as well as committing to your, yourself as, as, as well. So I'd say the more you can absolutely commit to what's going on in the scene, um, the better. I think that the the first line, the first action, the first activity is the most important bit of the scene. You want to make sure you're committing to whatever you've done before that point and you're just building, 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 building on, on top. So I, I would say that. And of course, I think you want to make sure that you're, you're listening and you're respecting and you're working well with the other people on stage. So make each other look good. I think if you focus on making your scene partners look good, then that's much more important than worrying about how you look. Um, and how long have you been teaching improv now? Well, I've been performing improv for over 10 years now. And uh, for the last two years, I've been uh, teaching with, with Hoopla uh, and we're doing bits and pieces of teaching. And talking about commitment, where do you see that clicking for the students that you teach? Because I think you, from what I know, you teach quite a lot of performance level courses. And is there somewhere within those weeks where you just see it click that they will need to commit in order to have nice, funny scenes? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think 
like a lot of skills in improv, it can ebb and it can flow. So at the beginning, when you first start out doing improv, that, that throwing yourself into things, that just committing to stuff, maybe something you're amazing at. And then as you get more ideas and more theory and more things, you think, oh, I need to think about this, I need to think about that. The simple act of just committing to what's going on in the scene can sometimes fall away. So I think it's, it's as students get more confident with the sort of ideas that you're teaching them, um, the more easy it is just to focus on what's going on and really throw yourself into it and commit. And do you have any, from a teaching perspective, do you have any like favourite exercises that you like using? It doesn't necessarily have to be for commitment. It can be listening um, as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've got a few uh, favourite exercises, um, particularly for doing things that um, make a, for making a scene matter. So really making every line that you do in a scene matter. So I think that there's lots of nice two-person exercises that you can do that really help with that. One is the simple exercise, just uh, put the word fucking in your lines as many times as you possibly can. Um, it's just a way it suddenly makes a scene feel so much more meaningful and important. So you do the scene once without saying fucking continually throughout the scene, and then you do it again, and that's, that time you just swear as much as you possibly can, and suddenly, everything is a massive amount of meaning to it i've never heard that before but automatically my brain jumps to a scene where you might be meeting your um future father-in-law for the first time and saying if you play it the first time around you'd say i'll oh, absolutely love it to meet you i have been you know i'm in love with your daughter she's so amazing um and then putting the word fucking in there would absolutely amp it up exactly it's absolutely fucking lovely to fucking <laughs> meet you uh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, that is fantastic. I bet the, I bet your students really love that because it, it is almost an automatic way of upping the, the ante of the scene straight away. Exactly right. And obviously, what I'm not saying is then go and uh, do that on on stage, just swear all the time. But just as a way of like making you realise, oh yeah, now actually, now let's do this scene for a third time. Get rid of the swear word, but have almost the same level of emphasis. And uh, that can be really interesting as well. Yeah, I think because when, when you're talking about putting it in there, I think because nerves often kick in for beginners, if you, if you give them license to swear, oh God, they'll go as blue as possible, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely right. I, actually, I think one of the joys of improv is you can, to, within reason, you can say and do the things that in normal life you just don't do. And... Uh, that's quite exciting, really. So for me, I think I'm, I'm quite a contained person when it comes to the emotions and things like that. I don't think I'm someone that expresses anger and sadness particularly. So I know that being able to go on stage and improvise and express all those emotions is really freeing for me. I think it was you who actually said this to me once when you were coaching my team, The Descendants. Um, can you do that scene again, but can you be angry? And I thought to myself, I don't know how to access anger because I'm not a typically an angry person. Are you similar to that? I think so. I actually think I find it quite easy to be emotional on, 
on stage. I don't think I always have, but I think, yeah, that's something I've, I really enjoy is being able to express emotions on stage, possibly because I'm not that emotional in, uh, in everyday life particularly. So, um, yeah, I think, I actually think that's not something I, I think on stage, I really give myself license to be emotional. I think that's, that's really, really important. You're in a scene and you're like, what's going on here? It doesn't really feel like it's clicking. Then um, choose an emotion and really commit to that emotion. And often that can be something that, that suddenly makes things work. And do you think that with something like if there's an emotion you can't naturally access, is that where body language and physicality can make up for a lot of that? Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. So yeah, being angry doesn't mean shouting and screaming necessarily. So other fun exercises you can do are to start a scene and to choose an activity. So it could be anything. So let's say it's something like um, washing the dishes and also to choose an emotion as well. So to be washing the dishes in a really joyful way or in a really uh, miserable way or whatever that emotion is. And as the scene changes and the scene progresses, using the physicality that you're doing to show the emotion just as much as, as uh, what you're saying, how you're saying it. Yeah, I think that's something I've definitely seen you do um, with DNAs. Because I, I think having known you for quite a while over the last year of you coaching us, I know that you're not an, an angry teacher, which would probably be nice for a lot of people listening to this podcast to know. Um, no, I don't, yes, I don't think I try to be extremely positive. So I try to give quite detailed feedback, but do it in a way that's very positive. So illustrating feedback by giving examples of what other cast members are doing or... Um, Yes, trying to really focus in um, on the positive things people are doing and say, well, that's something you're doing that's amazing. Uh, do that even more. And referencing the group that you're in, I wanted to talk to you a bit about how people who are just starting out in improv can get into such like a group mind. I don't know how long it takes or what your opinion is on how long it takes to get a good group mind when you're forming a new team. I think group mind is always, it's a funny phrase, isn't it? Because I think group mind makes it sound like it's this sort of mystical, magical thing, really. And um, actually, it just comes down to trust, really, doesn't it? I think it comes down to trusting the people that you're performing with and um, them trusting you. Um, certainly, I'm really lucky. So do not adjust your stage. We've been going well most of us met when we were students so most of us met when students at university and have been improvising with each other in one way or another for years and years and years and years and years so um yeah oh well yeah over 10 years now it's quite scary actually how many years it is that most of us have known each other in the group so uh, we've got that we've got that trust and we've got that that, that friendship built in now which is which is a massive luxury really isn't it so uh yeah so do not just your stage we're really lucky but i think i guess the way that you can fast track that 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 trust which really i think is at the root of of group mind is to spend time just hanging out with each other 
getting to know each other, being vulnerable in some ways with, with each other. I think those are things that if you're an improv group are going to uh, uh, help you have that group mind on stage. I suppose it's like any group of friends, really. If you have things that bond you together, if you have memories that you can share together, like with the Descendants, when we've gone off to a retreat, we've had a couple of them now, we'll always come back with stories. And I guess you guys might be the same with that. Oh, yeah, we've got some, yeah, we've got lots of stories, lots of uh, ridiculous in-jokes that obviously we don't do on stage because no one would understand, but that just pepper our conversation. So, uh, yeah, it's quite lovely that, I mean, you know, we we perform all the time, we rehearse pretty much once a week. So it's lovely to have that same group of people that I've known for so long. Um, and how does that manifest itself on stage, If in you in particular? How does that make you feel knowing you have that trust? Does that allow your risk-taking to be even greater? Yeah, it allows me to take risks myself knowing that um, my friends are going to back me up and are going to make me look good. So it allows me to take risks, certainly. I think it probably also allows me to take risks with other cast members as as well. But I think there's definitely things I do with Do Not Adjust Your Stage performers, but I know them so well, that I wouldn't do if I was in a jam for example, or performing with people that I don't perform with as regularly because I, I think, oh, yeah, I know that Reese or Helen or Sean will be able to handle being put in the seat. And I guess when you put yourself in a different situation, if you're performing in a jam or a, a team that's like a scratch team that's just been put together, it gives you a different sort of excitement, right? Oh, yeah, it's tremendously exciting. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I think... Being in a jam and just thinking, uh, well, when I when I when I do jams, I'm I'm nervous, much more nervous than when I do like a do not adjust your stage show on a Saturday night at uh, Hoopla, because yeah, because there's so many things that are completely out of your well out of my control in terms of how things could go and what things could say that makes it yeah it makes it very exciting and um, I think. You have to perform in quite a different way in that context. Um, I think really focusing on listening, on engaging with your scene partner, uh, yeah, and really trying to be super supportive um, in what they're doing, I think, is is really key in those jams, even more so. That feeling when you're in a scratch team or you're in a jam, it is that sort of an emotion that even though you've been performing for a long time, you haven't tapped it in a while, and it is like an exciting feeling. Oh yeah, it's really ex- ex- exciting. It's the nervousness um, plus the excitement of like, I I think I'm going to be at some point tonight. I'm going to be really really surprised. Uh, uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, yeah, it's certainly really uh, really exciting. I think improv festivals are really great for that. It's often scratch teams there, uh, and it's always exciting improvising scratch teams at those sort of festivals especially because you get improvisers from loads of different um, backgrounds and schools performing as well so again you've got that um, potential to be really surprised. I think international improv festivals especially within the realms of my group are becoming much more on the radar than I think I probably thought about a few years ago have you guys performed more of them recently? 
we've performed, we've, we've done them for quite a few years, actually. Um, and uh, when I say, do we do more recently? No, actually, we probably just started them a little bit less. You know, I guess more because of time and things like that, you know, but we love doing them. Yeah, uh, I think they're great. And you really get a sense of, you know, different styles of improv. I think especially in Europe, there's a much more physicality the way they improvise, which I think is really inspiring um, in particular improv in Europe and America and I'm sure everywhere else as well. There's probably a tendency um, about when you're in an improv scene in a city as big as London to think that, you know, there's America and then there's us and then there's nothing else. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's loads of improv going on uh, across the across the UK and not just in uh, London. So I think there's got amazing improv scenes right across the UK. I mean, what they're doing in Nottingham is amazing at the moment. For it's, it's just one example. And and yes, I think Europe has got some fantastic improv festival at the moment. Barcelona Improv Festival is, is fantastic um, festival. Um, and again, there's loads of others, lots of really cool improv festivals and improv scenes. Because you've, from what I have, my extensive level of research into your career, yeah. Nick. You've travelled, right? You have travelled to learn improv as well to IO and UCB. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we no. Actually, I haven't. What have I done? I've I've have I've done that. I've done IO, but I didn't travel for it. So I did that in the UK. So they they came to me. Very well, clever. They came with them. They um, ran some courses. So I've done some intensives. But that's them coming to the to the UK. And I've been to America a few times to do Del Close Mouth which is a festival that well, was run by the UCP um, and have done some classes there as well. So, yeah, all the time getting very different styles. So just, um, yeah, UCB and IO, very different styles of play, uh, which, again, is, is really fascinating and really useful to, to them. Because, obviously, watching DNAs being um, a long-form team, um, I want to talk to you about premise, because that's something mm. that I think a lot of people can get scared by, especially newer improvisers is premise something that you as a group thought about before you started your team yeah i think do not well do not just to say i think we're an interesting group because we're we've all had quite different improv educations in a way or gone and sought out different improv educations over the the years so i think we've got quite different sort of philosophies or approaches to improv and uh essentially our sort of meshing those together which i think is really advantageous because it means that we can surprise each other and do different things and and hopefully means that we're, we're never boring we're always uh, creating lots of different stuff when it comes to premise did we think about it before well no actually when we first started a group our first group was a, was a tv themed show that we did uh and so we got lots of different tv themes from the audience tv stars and then we did all these different TV channels, like you were flicking channels uh, while you're watching TV. And so premise didn't really come into it. It was probably a few years in that we started learning about premise and, and thinking about premise. Um, I think it can be scary because I think people, I guess people get too worried about it, don't they? I think it can be easy to really overthink of, of, um overthink the first move in in your scene or worry that the idea you've got isn't good enough or isn't quite right and actually i think you've got to just uh 
got to go for it a little bit and 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 see what happens. We're so often taught about not being in our heads and being present in the scene. And I think sometimes when you're dealing with premise, sometimes you you do the opposite and you do what you're not um, trained to do. Yeah, I see what you mean. I think a big danger with premise is trying to plan out the whole scene in your head. So often with uh, Do Not Just Your Stage, we'll chat to an, an audience member or interview an audience member at the beginning of our show. And that's the inspiration for the, the premises for our, our seats. And so there's a danger that you can listen, the audience member will say something and you'll, you'll think of an idea. And then that you could start to just plan that whole scene. And really what you're looking for is just one line one line or one or actionary line to set things up and then where it's go. So I think, yes, it's about not overthinking things, thinking, right, what's my first move? And then just locking that in and trying to think of a few more before you 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 start your show. But I always make sure I'm, I'm only really trying to get three ideas for scene starts, three premises um, that I could use to, to start a scene. Anything more than that, I've got too much going on in my head and won't be needed. That's perfect. I think I think from a lot of people listening, that's a really lovely explanation of it. I, what I want to talk to you next about is characters. Mm. How the characters you play have evolved and how important you think they are in um, a long-form show. Yeah. Well, I think they're tremendously important. I think I'm quite bad at them. I, think I'm not, I don't think I'm a very good uh, character actor. I have to say, I think... Everybody else in Do Not Just a Stage is much better at betraying characters than me, Leo. So I think I'm, I think I give a lot of myself on stage. And I think that's what makes me an engaging improviser, maybe. Um, but I don't think I'm an amazing character actor. And I'm always really, really impressed with improvisers that are able to portray um very different characters in a really convincing way. In, in terms of, in saying that, you know, I give it my best shot. What do I think is important? I think physicality is important. Voices is, is really important as well. And I think especially in a long form show, obviously you're doing lots of different scenes and you want to make sure they feel different. But anything you can do to make them feel different is important. The character really helps. I think the reason I ask you this is because I've spoken to you about it beforehand when you were coaching us and I think you said something to me that was quite similar and I before we recorded this I had the idea of people who I know and people who might be listening to this who aren't necessarily au fait at doing impressions or accents or a lot of different characters um, and it's kind of nice to hear that it's okay if you're comfortable playing yourself or a couple of degrees away from yourself i i think that's it i think that's certainly what i often do i mean i try to change myself physically or in terms of age and voice and, and all that sort of thing but uh yeah i don't think i'm someone that's naturally particularly good at just going doing a Glaswegian accent or you know things like that um so i think yeah i'm often something that resembles myself a little bit and I think audiences find it very engaging because I think one of the beauties of improv is that sort of balance between the reality and the and the, the, the fiction really that balance of 
you are actually watching an actor create something and work something out in the moment, and then you're also watching the, the story or the, the what's going on in the scene. And those two things interacting, I think, is what makes such an engaging art. Yeah, I think that's very true because, I mean, I very much in the past relied far too much on accents and it's all well and good if you can do a Glaswegian accent but what I think it does do is take away a lot of commitment because you automatically think well I'm doing a great Glaswegian accent why aren't the audience roaring in laughter and you're like ah well I haven't committed to the scene I'm not listening to my scene part I'm not building on anything they've done yes I think that's absolutely right I think if all you're doing is an accent then um, you're not that that's what I've seen you do, Leo. But if all you're doing is an accent, then uh, yeah, I think you're, you're missing an, an awful lot. I think, you know, when we watch a piece of theatre or drama or, or whatever, what we're interested in is the relationships, um, the emotion, the way characters change. We're not usually that interested in what accent they've got. Although it's a lovely thing to have in your as part of your abilities, absolutely. Um, well, I'll take that, because um, that's something that occasionally I will try and pull out of the back pocket if something's going awry. Um, but don't get me wrong. Do you know, I'm saying this, but I would love to be better at, at, uh, at doing different accents. Oh, it'd be fantastic. So uh, um, I'm certainly not saying it's not important. It's a brilliant attribute to have. Um, and I have to, unfortunately, I have to play to my other attributes because... Uh, that's not something I'm so good at. Okay, well, this leads me on to uh, my final question that we're, I'm asking everybody, and this might be informed by what you just said. If there was a special tribute, Nick Orham, in honour of Improv Night, and you got to pick three acts to perform on the bill, and it can be as biased in one way or another in what form of improv it is, who would those acts be? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So are these individual improvisers or are these these like groups? I mean, these are groups. These are three groups that you have seen over the years um, yeah. who have knocked your socks off. Yeah, oh, that's a good question. Okay. I'm trying to think. I think the thing is, and this sounds a bit terrible, I would want to be in this show. Do you know what I mean? Like all my, all my favourite people are and groups are performing... I want to be performing with them, Leo. That really is that really bad. That is not uh, bad at all. So I would want to create like some sort of amazing jam group with all the improvisers that I think are the are just the best and I find really inspiring and uh, amazing. Um, but yeah, the be- the best group. Well, I I mean I I always find showstoppers absolutely amazing and it's kind of an obvious choice isn't it in a way but i think they're 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 absolutely fantastic you know um so many brilliant improvisers um in that group ruth bratt i think is an absolute legendary improviser i love watching her her perform i think she's just got a sort of real um she manages to be both sort of incredibly joyful in the way she like she looks like she's enjoying being on stage but then also completely committed in her character at the same time. And um, I find that fantastic to watch. I really, uh, actually, um, speaking of Ruth, I really love Lee Simpson as well. 
And I've loved watching the two. I can't remember what their duo is called now, but I've loved watching the two of them perform as a, a duo too. So maybe that would be in my lineup. Um, what else would be there? Uh, oh, I watched this fantastic. This was in uh, an improv festival in Sweden, and there was a group that did a. Um, it was a, a narrative show in the genre of this very obscure uh, Scandinavian film director. He's, he's probably not obscure in, 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 in Scandinavia, but to, to me, was someone I'd never heard of. Um, and although I had no idea who this film director was, they created this amazing... Like, I could get a sense of exactly what his films were about on how they improvised. I think I'd want to, to to remember the name of who they were and fly them over as uh, as well because they were absolutely excellent. And oh my gosh, I'm going to choose one more. But again, I should have done research on this, Leo. I can't remember their name, but it's French improv group. I think in Leon, Leon, um, who again are amazing. But I can't remember their names. Oh, how embarrassing! I can do all this in the edit. I can um, put in a, in the outro. I can say exactly who you meant. Yeah, will you? If I message you and go, this is who I meant. Um, that's it. So, what are my choices? I'm going to go for showstoppers. I'm going to also then go for Ruth Brat and and Lee Simpson performing together. Uh, I'm going to go for Scandinavian improv. Troop, whose name I can't remember, and I'm going to go for French improv troupe, whose name I can't remember. Um, and which group are you inserting yourself into, which I presume will be headlining the bill? Oh, I'm going to be. In the, I'm going to be in every. You're going to be in everyone. <laughs> it will ruin the show. That'll be a terrible show. But this is for me, isn't it? Like, this is for me. The show has this been put me. on in your honour. So yeah, it's been put in my honour. Yeah. So this is for me. This is my special this is for my benefit so if it's for my benefit then i'm not going to pass up the opportunity to perform with all these legends i mean it will ruin the show leo it will ruin, it'll be a terrible terrible show because it'll be all these people that are great also i can't sing but i mean i've ruined the showstoppers show but you know i'm not going to pass up the opportunity to perform with all these great people is that okay yeah i mean i think what we've just done here is put out a big call to everybody who knows you for what might be one of the most interesting shows ever to grace the London stage. Yeah, definitely. I Nick, it'd be called Nick or ruining good improv. <laughs> and on that note, I think that's a great place to end this chat. Um, thank you. So, Nick or thank you so much for joining us on the Hoopla Impro podcast. Oh, thank you, Leo. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Hoopla Impro podcast. Um, for reference, Nick still can't remember the improv group from Sweden, although he does know that they did an improvised Benny Anderson film and they were from Stockholm, so that might narrow it down. The French group are called La Haute Carp, the pronunciation of which I have almost certainly butchered. You can listen to other episodes on hooplaimpro.com where you'll also find amazing resources and further improv tips and games. And please do give us a shout out on Twitter and Instagram at Hoopla Impro. See you next time.